This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Group Text. So, I'm just curious, does anyone remember their dream from last night? I am someone who rarely remembers their dreams unless they're super bizarre or not good. I am excited to sort of dive into dream analysis with Lainey Dolphin, our dream analyst expert. Good morning. Good morning, Melissa. How are you? Oh, good. So you're going to help decipher our crazy dreams. I'm going to do that. That's for sure. So one of the things you talk about, and I need you to explain, is the difference between our conscious mind and our subconscious and how they're different. Well, the best way to explain, especially about dreaming, is a dream is actually a conversation. Dreaming is just thinking. I'm here to take the mystery away. And so a dream is the conversation that you have with yourself. It's an interior conversation. And before I go deep, because I love going deep, but at the very first level, every dream is triggered by something that either happened to you yesterday or something that you thought about yesterday. And it's always something that's bugging you. And the amazing news I'm here to bring you is that the solution to something that's bugging you this week, of course, appears in your unconscious before it gets to your conscious mind. So if only you could understand what the heck you were saying to yourself when you had that dream, and that's why I'm here. Because I actually, much more than dream analysis, I teach the language of metaphor because that is the language of the unconscious mind. And so I help you, A, with questions that I know to ask. I help you tell me why you had that dream. And once I understand, oh, it's that you want to quit your job or you want to break off with that guy or you want to lose weight or whatever the issue is this week that you are attempting to problem solve, once I understand what the problem is, then we could look back in the dream And that's where I can teach you what a solution looks like when it comes in the form of a metaphor. How did you get into this? (laughs) Why am I not surprised that you, of all the people, asked me that question? I just love you, by the way. Oh, thank you. I love you. I love your style. And this question sort of proves it. Like, before you go to the end result, how did this all begin? Well, because it's it's always interesting to me to find out how people got to where they are because it's never a straight line. It is never a straight line. And I'll, I'll tell you how it happened for me, and I will also include the dream. I'm about to turn 70, actually. Oh, my God, you look phenomenal. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I'll be 70 in two weeks. 
And I have been looking at my dreams for 50 years. Oh my God, 50 years. And so 50 years ago, I gave birth to the first of my four lovely daughters, Tina, who passed away a couple of years ago. And Tina was born with Down syndrome. And 50 years ago, I mean, I was like 20. I never even heard of Down syndrome. And I soon found out um, through discussion because my parents would not advise me. They wanted me to know if you decide to give Tina up, we're good. If you decide to take her home, we're good. So they wanted me to know that they supported me. And I ended up seeking the advice of my GP, who was our doctor since I was born. And I trusted him like a second father. And he told me, give her up. And a lot of people did that 50 years ago. I, I was going to say that was not an uncommon thing to yeah. do at that point, 50 years ago. Exactly. And so I followed his advice. And about two or three months later, I started um, being depressed. That makes sense also. And I ended up in the office of a brilliant Freudian psychoanalyst who had moved here from New York. And this guy was huge on dreams. And the thing about me in my early 20s, I wasn't so well able to articulate my feelings, but I'm a dreamer and I've always been a dreamer. So I used to go to the sessions with the shrink, always arriving with a dream. And that was the first place that I discovered that we are problem solving in our dreams. And I'll just tell you the actual thing that happened and the dream that blew me so far away that 50 years later, here I am still talking about it. Yeah. What was, what was the dream? I started having a series of recurring dreams that I call my freight elevator dreams. And they may have been different stories, but I'm always in a freight elevator and I'm always alone at some point in the dream. And so for me, that image of a freight elevator, that's Lainey saying to herself, I don't feel my ground because A, the space is too big. There's nowhere to hold on to, And the floor is wobbly. So I'm in there alone with a wobbly floor. And the series of dreams, as it turned out, happened. It was triggered by the fact that I was not happy with this decision because it was like three months later. I'm like saying to myself, I had a baby. Where is she? Who is she? What does she look like? So this whole thing about giving Tina up completely and never seeing her again, it just didn't fit for me. And I'll tell you, the solution to the freight elevator dream is like I, I teach at the university in Montreal. And when I tell the freight elevator dream, I always move it out to the class and ask them, what is your solution to the freight elevator dream? And one person will say, sit down on the floor. And somebody else will say, oh, I would press the emergency button. And I've had a guy say, you know, that hatch up on the top, I get out of there. And that's the kind of guy who wants to uh, slip out the back jack, make a new plan, Stan, <laughs> because that's someone whose natural instinct is, is to run. To, is to run. That's see, right. I see. I see the freight elevator. It's as being trapped. Right. 
And that is how I felt. And so here was my solution to the freight elevator dream. It was to invite people into the elevator. Because if I invite people into the elevator, I am now putting weight on the floor so it stops shaking. And the other thing I accomplish is now the space is smaller because I can touch the people that are around me. And the reason that I was using a freight elevator is because the unconscious is so sophisticated, you will be shocked by the end of our conversation today. Freight elevator for me is a direct link to my father because when I was a little girl, he used to take me to the warehouse with him sometimes on the weekend. And there was a freight elevator there that used to make me very uneasy, shaky, but I always felt okay because I was with my father. And that was my message from my unconscious that I needed to invite my parents in a metaphoric way into the elevator, which I did. I invited my parents to come and find Tina with me. And I didn't, I never did bring Tina home, but I most certainly brought Tina back into my life. And I knew exactly where she was all the way through her life. And, uh, I just loved her. She, Tina was the happiest person to this day that I've ever met. She had zero anxiety about the future and zero regret about the past. She spent her whole life living in the present and she was just always happy. So that is after that, once I realized this is an actual conversation that is taking place I mean, I went on to study Gestalt. I became a Gestalt counselor. I studied at the Alfred Adler Institute. I became a member of the C.G. Jung Society. And here's what happened at the end. The end of all that is that I developed a six-point-of-entry system that anybody can use to uncover why you had that dream last night. Because once you understand what the problem is, then you can look at it and you can start making decisions about what the solution that was presented or um, intuited inside the dream. And that's what I wanted to teach you about is those six points of entry that help you uncover why you had that dream. So I've got the six points of, of entry. So I want to go through them. Okay, Let's go through. Good. Okay. I have it listed. The feelings. The feelings. I would um, put together the feelings and the puns and play on words in one dream together. And so the dream analysis, the act of it is very like a dance. You, you're inside the dream, outside, inside and outside. And so this is my most recent all-time favorite dream about a woman who dreams that she's got a brand new puppy and she's so excited about the puppy, she actually wants to see him eye to eye. So she brings him up on the table in front of her and she's so happy because he's so cute and so new. And all of a sudden, the puppy makes all over the table. It's a huge mess everywhere, all over her arms, all over the table. It's a big mess. And so I used the feelings. I also used the plot. And after we analyzed the dream, it turned out that she also used 
a pun and a play on words in there. And so what I did is looking at the feelings and because you know the dream is about something this week that's bothering you, I asked her, what do you think happened in the last few days? A situation where you started out being so happy because it's so new and all of a sudden it took a really bad I was say it literally fell to shit. Oh, I didn't know that I could say that. Here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm so happy. Why am I not surprised that shit <laughs> is okay with Melissa Rivers? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we have the six. The six, I just want to go through them so we can go on with the analysis. The feelings, the symbols, the action, play on words or puns, the plot, and repetition. Exactly. Okay. So and let's so- go back to what happened to this woman why she put something new and cute on the table and then it shit all over her. It shit so fast. What do you think that was, I asked her. And she got it immediately, she said, and usually dreamers do. If you ask the right question, you get that aha. She said, it's the job. I got a brand new job. I've been there three days. I was so excited about it. And I realize now the boss is a really abusive guy. He's been shitting all over me. Now we get the puppy. We found the puppy. We found the shit. And so I there I have eight different ways that you can find a solution in the dream. My personal favorite is the same as the freight elevator dream, is to take the actual story of the dream and bring it outside to waking life, solve the problem outside the dream, and then look back in. So I asked her. If you really had a brand new puppy and you really put him up on the table and he really shit all over the place, what would you do? What's the solution? Clean it up. She said, well, the first thing I would do is take it off the table and then I would clean it up and clean myself up. And because I am in the business of language, I don't want my language. I want the dreamer's language. So I asked her, what does that mean? take it off the table. What does that mean for you? And she said, oh, and I take something off the table. I'm done. It's not negotiable. I'm finished. And she left my office and quit the job. Wow. After three days. She took it off the table. Why? How do these thoughts get into your subconscious and then transfer into your dreams? Because we all go through life I mean, most of us are pretty aware of what's going on and what's upsetting us. Is it that something gets into your dream because you are either not giving it enough weight or you're trying to ignore it? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're so clever. You're smart. It's because, and I call this uh, part of a discussion, welcome to the human race. We humans during the day, Our conscious mind, we lie, we deny, we avoid, and we sweep. And that's why I call it welcome to the human race, because this is a function of being human. It's what we all do. But your unconscious never lies to you. And so whatever it is that you're holding back, um, and I will add that we are self-regulating organisms. So I like to compare it to having to pee because it's just so the same is that if you have to pee, you can hold it in, hold it in, hold it in. At a certain point, sorry, you have to go to the washroom. And 
feelings and situations operate identical, the same way. You have somebody hurt your feelings or you're not happy with your job or whatever it is that's going on, you're not talking about it. You're avoiding and sweeping. And that's you holding it in, holding it in, holding it in. So don't be surprised when you go to sleep that you're going to have this nightmare because your healthy unconscious is successfully creating the balance. And hopefully it grabs your attention because your unconscious always wants you to bring the interior conversation outside into the open, because the minute you take it outside and you start talking to a friend or family member or somebody you trust, now you're brainstorming. It's not an interior discussion anymore. What about nightmares? Because we've all had those horrific nightmares that, I mean, you can pick them apart and, and make certain symbolism make sense. But what is it just like you just said, is it just that our subconscious is so overloaded that it has to sort of it it has to download and expel a bunch of stuff? Because if somebody hurt your feelings and you and maybe maybe and I always tell dreamers this, maybe they didn't even hurt your feelings a lot. Maybe they just hurt your feelings a little, but you're not talking about it during the day. You're, you're hiding or sweeping it. And so then, so it's, that is what I call an underreaction. And so because you have that underreaction, your dream is going to overreact. And the nightmare is the overreaction to your underreaction. And two things happen. One is that a balance is created. And the second thing that happens is now it caught your attention And by catching your attention, you'll probably start talking about it. And so you'll come to a conclusion anyway, right? Right. So there's a lot of common symbolism that we've all known through the years. Falling, your teeth falling out, um, feeling trapped, all those things. But the, the teeth falling out, I was always told, it meant you're trying to say something that you can't. It could be. It could be, but it could also be so many, so many other things. Uh, I know a man who, when I asked him for the definition, which is what you do with any kind of symbol, and when I asked him for the definition of teeth falling out, he said to me, that's something that's inevitable, and um, it's something that you have no control over. That man was dreaming about his teeth falling out, because he knew that his wife was going to end that marriage. It was something that it was inevitable and it was something that he had no control over. And in his personal dictionary, which is why I wrote my books, I wrote my books because you cannot look it up in a dictionary from the moment you're born, every single memory and association that you've ever had, ever had, is sitting there in your sophisticated, unconscious mind. So for people that are under 50, I call it a database. And for those of us that are over 50, I call it a filing cabinet. And that is your personal dictionary that is as unique to you as your fingerprint. You cannot 
tell somebody what their dream is about. You have to ask them about their associations to the symbols, which are people, places, and things that appear in the dream. Because when you want to say something to yourself, your database or your filing cabinet opens up and it's all there for you, what you want to say to yourself. So if I have an argument with Andy, my sweet husband, if I have an argument with him and in the argument, I end up feeling a certain rejection, I might dream about a boyfriend I had when I was 16 because Andy is making me feel today the exact same way I felt back then. And every single boyfriend I've ever had in my whole life is all in the same file with Andy, along with my father and my brother, who are both male family members. And so whenever I want to say something to myself about Andy, I probably won't even dream about him. I'll dream about any one of these uh, boys and men that I've had relationships with that are in that file. What about when you wake up and you know you've been dreaming, like I'm not good at remembering my dreams. And and that's a whole secondary question. When you wake up exhausted from a dream. Love it. What a great question. When you wake up exhausted from a dream, that's an indication you have not come to a conclusion. You haven't solved the problem. And what we do at night is the same thing that we do during the day. You wake up in the morning and your conscious mind prioritizes. Who do I have to call? Who do I have to email? What do I have to do today? And if you had 50,000 things happen to you today, which you probably do, if you include every phone call you made, every conversation you had, you know, everything you thought about, when you go to sleep tonight, your unconscious is going to prioritize the one thing that's bugging you the most. And all of your dreams tonight are going to be about that subject. You're going to be testing out different possible solutions and reactions to something that's on your mind. I want to just uh, step back for one sec, my memory. And you asked about um, nightmares. And I wanted to say that the dream also provides for us a safe place to practice. And especially since the COVID thing happened over the last two years and so many people remembering their dreams more because we were locked in and lots of people were not using um, uh, an alarm clock. So you were getting an opportunity to wake up slower and having a, a better opportunity to remember your dreams. So if you, whatever it is that you're doing in the dream, like uh, what is her name? Kelly and Ryan Ripa, isn't it Kelly Ripa? Yeah, Kelly Ripa. Kelly Ripa during uh, uh, COVID kept dreaming that her children were in dire trouble. And so she was having these huge anxiety nightmares and that, to me, is the same thing as working out a muscle in a gym. So she was practicing extreme anxiety, like her children were missing or they were in trouble. So that's what she was using her dreams as a rehearsal. And you know the expression, been there, done that? Yes. That's what she was doing. She was 
over anxiety herself inside her dream. And that way, when you get up in the morning and you're facing the COVID stuff, it's like you've you've desensitized yourself by having dreams like that. You have exercised your ability to manage stress. So a nightmare is a great thing in my line of business because you're helping yourself. That's fascinating. It's it's that it's almost a practice, a trial run. What about for those of us that really do not remember our dreams? Um, I I can't imagine uh, that that means that we're mentally stable because. we are all we are all dreaming. Dreaming is just thinking. So that woman who quit her job because of the puppy dream, she would have quit her job anyway, even if she never remembered the dream. It's just that it may have taken her a month, but the, the you're still having the dreams and you are still problem solving and you're still getting the, the solution to the problem, but you might be getting it uh, faster if you uh, remember the dream. And I have on uh, my site, um, if you uh, do a find or look, just you'll find it on my site. They're called Dream Tidbits. And I have them on YouTube as well. And they are all each less than a minute. And tidbit number one and number two teach you in less than 60 seconds how to better remember your dreams. Well, that's what was gonna be my next question. How do, how do, how do you rem- better remember your dreams? And is there a way to make your dreams more positive? Well, but you're talking to somebody who believes that every dream is positive. And sometimes what you think is a positive dream, for example, also during COVID, we, we, there was a man who so, so down and so depressed, he actually forgot what it feels like to feel good. And it reminds me of a horny dream, which you also have because maybe you're horny and you forgot what it feels like to feel good. So you give yourself that happy dream, like this man during COVID who won, dreamt that he won $150 million in a lottery, and he gave himself the feeling again of what that feels like to feel good. And that's what you want to do is take that feeling and run with it. So how do do we better remember our dreams? Well, the the best and easiest way to remember your dreams Dr. Freud told us is intention. Intention is everything. If you make a decision that you want to remember a dream and you leave paper and pen beside the bed and you do not have an expectation, oh my goodness, of remembering a story that has a beginning, a middle and an end, you because one picture really does say a thousand words. So if you take the judgments away and make a decision that you want to remember a dream, you probably will within a few days. Like just to give you um, a fast example, one woman is dreaming that her chair is in absolute flames and the whole dream is her jumping out of the chair and that's how she wakes up. That's the one picture dream that is an action point of entry because she was really procrastinating and her dream was making movement, getting her to get up and move. The most common, I used to have 
a really big repetitive stress dream before award shows. And it was interesting because to me, I couldn't, like, I knew I was okay once I had the stress dream. Oh, so I'm assuming, that. I'm assuming that's like I was working out You're what could go out. wrong. So, yes. You know, and that is just exactly like Kelly Ripa. You were having these big stress dreams and then you've exercised your stress muscle. So by the time you use it at an award show, you're bu- you've built that, that side of yourself. But what about the fact that it was always the same one? Same people, same celebrities, oh, same so scenarios, funny. same, same, same. And it got to the point where I would go into work and be like, we're all good. I had, I had the dream again last night. I felt like the movie Raising Arizona. What about the fact that it was always the same dream? And I'm talking right. about over years. Right. And so uh, a, a dream like that, that a re- repetitive dream that happens over a period of years is the exact same thing as a favorite expression. So now that I know I'm allowed to use the word, I'll tell you my favorite expression is oh shit. I could have said, oh shit, when I was 15 years old because I missed the bus. I could have said, oh shit, when I was 25 because I walked by my desk and papers fell all over the floor. And I could have said, oh shit, about an hour ago when my hair wasn't completely dry And I knew that I was coming on to see you. So over a period of like 50 years, I've given you, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, same identical expression, but for uh, situations that are completely different. So your stress dream, Melissa, is your favorite expression. And and you even know that you use it. Um, You even understand what are the situations where you would normally use that dream, you see? Got it. So if you're going to go deeper, how do you go deeper? I'm just trying to think of, you know, I I often have, you know, obviously, and I know what it is, complicated uh, dreams about my parents. And I know that has to do with the loss and processing and all of that. But the one thing I always have, and I, I do understand this, is very often I'll go to speak in my dreams or yell and nothing comes out. I love it. And when you have that dream, I feel like asking you to guess now that you know a little bit, what do you think the question is that I'm going to ask you when a dreamer tells me they're opening their mouth and no sound is coming out? Why do you feel like you're not being heard? Thank you. Excellent. So yeah, you you get me. So either it's that uh, you're not feeling heard, or maybe you have something to say and you're not saying it. Right. And that would be like a, a, a perfect example for a teeth falling out dream. Right. Exactly. So spit it out. Spit it out. Spit it something out. Something has to come out. What about, for some of these are just some of the common ones, falling. But again, I'm going to in context ask the dreamer, how are you feeling in the dream? Are you falling? And then all of a sudden it turns into flying or like that uh, news anchor in New York City who said to me that she dreamed she uh, f- fell. She was falling off a building and actually hit the ground. And when she hit the ground, because the question was, you know, obviously you don't die in a dream. 
Yeah. If you, you know, because she hit the ground and she got up and walked away. And that dream was a comment about that person's ability to pick herself up when she's hit rock bottom. What that about a reminder for her? What about a dream where you're dead or everyone thinks you're dead, but you're not? I mean, you know, as a kid, you always hear. If you die in your dream, you're really going to die in the right. middle of the night. Which is what she was asking me. Right. Because she fell off a building and hit the ground. But she but she didn't. She got up and walked away. Right. So, no, so the answer to that question is no, it, it's not true. So your, so your brain won't let you die in a dream? Well, I've never spoken to somebody who's actually died to find out what it was they were dreaming before. So I can't say for sure, but I can tell you that I've had lots of people come to me with a death dream and it was the death of a relationship. It was a death somewhere inside them of some aspect of your personality, which is again, pointing me to a little deeper look at this subject. In all the years you've been doing this, what is the weirdest dream someone has come to you with? Has there been one that you've been like, I don't even know where to start? Oh, that doesn't really happen to me because there's always some way into the dream. Right. There's what is, what is, what is that's begging to be asked? Okay. So you said you're going to go deep. Let's hear it. How do we go deep? I'm going to go deep by, because so far in this conversation, we have been discussing short-term change, like uh, like your anxiety dream. It's helping you right here, right now, about going to an award show. But now I want to talk about change on a deeper, long-lasting level. Uh, level. So you wait. So quick question: So you think if we can, and manipulates the wrong word, sort of set intentions for our dreams, we can actually resolve larger issues in our lives. Yes. Long-term change. And so when we are born, we arrive in this world whole, completely whole. We have a plethora of potential about how we could possibly respond to people and situations in our life. For example, when you come into the world, you have the potential to be shy to be assertive, to be giving, to be selfish, to be a hero, to be a chicken. Maybe you're the person who was the comedian in the family. Maybe you're a more serious kind of person. So all these different parts of ourselves are there and available. And the people that bring us up through no fault of their own teach us that it's better to be one way than another way. And so we grow up over-exercised in certain aspects of our personality and disowned and under-exercised in other aspects of our personality. And the unfortunate thing about that is life throws you so many different situations. I mean, I mean, in my life, I've done everything from, from marriage to divorce to remarriage to blended families to cancer to Tina to losing a child. I mean, oh my God, there's so many different things that can happen to us. And you wanna be ready 
with the most appropriate response. If you're talking to Lainey in my world, there's no such thing as good or bad, right or wrong. For me, it's appropriateness. Am I responding to today's situation in the most appropriate way? What's so interesting to me is most of the time when you hear dream analyst, it's very sort of woo-woo. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yours, I, yours is, your, your analysis is very much grounded in scientific theory and the importance true. of mental health. Yeah, it's all, I'm all about mental health. How do you, and I, I guess this is sort of a convoluted question, how important, because we talk about with mental health, how, how important exercise, sleep, nutrition, all these things all sort of go into that grab bag of mental health is health. It's a real intrinsic part of a healthy lifestyle. And one thing we talk about a lot is sleep, which is your lane, and how to be a good sleeper, how to actually get rest. And that's what I asked you about it being exhausting. How important is is a good sleep environment, which is sort of saying a big trendy thing for for positive dreams, making change and getting good rest? Yes, 100 percent. And of course, I'm a big proponent of of asking people to improve your dream recall because uh, Jung, Jung put it the best when he said that when he wants to make a major decision, he wants to consult not only his conscious, but he also wants to consult his unconscious, which is one of the most meaningful meaningful thoughts that has happened for me over these last 50 years of looking at dreams, because lots of people were bothering Carl Jung to write a book for the general public, and he absolutely refused. He had zero interest until he had a dream that he was giving a lecture about a book that he wrote to a huge audience of plain old regular people. And that was what inspired him to write Man and His Symbols. It never would have been written had he not consulted his unconscious. And so I love that because for me, even that I gave Tina up and and had no idea where she was or have her in my life. And it was the freight elevator dream that brought me to the decision to have her in my life, you know? Is there anything you can share with us about what creates a good dreaming environment? Like I know we're supposed to sleep with with either blackout shades or a sleep mask, make the room cold, all these different things. Is there anything that you have noticed increases the ability to dream well? Um, I guess uh, all the things that you mentioned. I mean, you want a quiet space. You probably don't want to be watching TV or your phone for the last half hour before you go to sleep. It's better to kind of maybe listen to some music and calm yourself and yes, I agree, the light's off. And so you set the stage, you set the stage. And also to have an intention, I'm just thinking about um, one woman I know, uh, her husband was waiting for results on a biopsy that they did. And 
she made an absolute decision that she wants to remain calm, that she's not going to get herself into a big fat tither before she even has the results. And what that looked like in a dream was she had a dream that she was at Turks floating on the water. And when she looked out to the, uh, to the ocean, there was a huge tsunami there, not moving though, not moving. She stays not only in calm water near the shore, but it so happens that she's also with a girlfriend of hers who she associates as being the calmest, most optimistic person that she knows. This is who she takes. So you don't need a big, long dream to catch the meaning. And by the way, the results came back negative. He's, in, he's in remission. Fantastic. And so she was had that one picture dream and it, it said volumes about not only what she was anticipating and going through, but it spoke volumes about how she wasn't leaning into the tsunami. She was staying and floating with that calm friend to keep herself, you know, and she woke up rested, by the way, because she was inside a solution. Well, when you've got a solution, that's when you wake up rested. This has been beyond fascinating. We'll definitely go deeper into this. Lainey Dolphin, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Melissa. I can't believe I actually met you. Oh, please. (laughs) 